Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Crossover Across Time podcast for our Wednesday episode for week 10, our first episode since the holiday season. Merry Christmas again. Hopefully everyone out there had a great uh, Christmas morning, a great holiday season in general. Uh, I feel like I had a pretty good time. It wasn't quite as long as, of course, you you think back to the, uh, the high school years, the college years even, and you have these extended breaks where you're out of school and you don't have a lot of other responsibilities. You can just hang out around, hang out around the house, enjoy the, you know, the festivities. You can go see the lights, hear the Christmas music, and then, you know, Christmas gets kind of built up. And then suddenly you're in the adult world and you're working until, you know, a day or a couple of days prior to Christmas itself. And you find yourself thinking, man, it kind of snuck up on me, but, uh, you know, overall, I think I had a good holiday. I, I again, hope everyone else out there had a great holiday, and uh, I'm excited to be back. Uh, I, of course, am your host, Karsten. Welcome to the show, and or welcome back to the show. Whether you've been listening previously or you're brand new listening to the podcast, either way, uh, just want to express my uh, mine and Wyatt and Justin all of our uh, appreciation uh, of your support of the show. Um, we can't thank you enough. For today's show, we're going to have a lot to talk about, of course. Um, I mean, just about a week's worth of games. With that in mind, in the past, we've been doing our game summaries and we've been running through, you know, final scores of all the other games. That's going to take a long time um, and we have, you know, a ton to talk about. So we're going to do it a little differently. But that being said, let's go ahead and waste no more time. Let's jump right into our uh our game summaries, and our key news as well following that. All right, let's jump into it again. We're going to focus on five games like we normally would, but we're going to just focus on the Christmas Day games because, of course, those are the marquee games we talked about after the conclusion of the in-season tournament, that would be kind of the next marker on the NBA calendar as far as, you know, bigger noteworthy events outside of the, you know, day-to-day, week-to-week, regular season schedule. Uh, the five Christmas Day games, always a spectacle to watch out for. So we'll focus on those. We're going to mention some numbers and some noteworthy events from a handful of other games from the past week or so. The rest of it, though, we're going to leave up to kind of power rankings, seeing where teams are at and uh, getting ready for the next, uh, you know, next little bit of NBA action, I suppose, is a way to to phrase that. So uh, we're going to start uh, with the first game from Christmas morning. This is last Monday, of course, uh, two days ago, uh, and it started with the New York Knicks hosting the Milwaukee Bucks in Madison Square Garden in New York City. Winning the game, the Knicks uh, were victorious, 129 to 122, your final score. Pretty close game, snapping a win streak of the Bucks, and it was a, a big game for Jalen Brunson in this. And it was a pretty uh, wire-to-wire victory for the Knicks. I mean, never really pulled away fully. It was never, you know, a 20-point, 30-point kind of lead. Um, but they consistently held, you know, double-digit leads at most of this, about half of the, you know, three quarters that they led. Um, I mean, there was other points where the Bucks were able to bring it within four or five points, but the, the Knicks were resilient and they maintained their lead and were able to come out with the victory overall. Um, and really it was just a, a function of them being a little bit better shooting team from the floor, um, pretty close on most other 
aspects in general as far as rebounds, assists. Uh, they just shot a little bit better from the floor, and sometimes that's all you really need. Um, looking at the box score for the Bucks, they were led by Giannis, as you might expect, 32 points, 13 rebounds, and 6 assists, along with 2 blocks and a steal. For the Greek freak, he shot about 54% from the floor. Not much more you can ask from him. Lillard had 32 points as well with 8 assists, uh, 4 of 13. Um, a lot of volume from the three and not as much of the uh, the makes from the three-point range. Just a couple of those could have you know, closed the gap, but still you can't fault him too much. A very good game all around still. Uh, Chris Middleton, 24 points, six assists, uh, four of nine from three. They also got 14 points from Brooke Lopez, then 12 points off the bench from Bobby Portis. Malik Beasley uh, held scoreless in the game, only one three-point attempt. Uh, could have also been a factor as well. Meanwhile, for the Knicks, Jalen Brunson, as we mentioned, 38 points to lead all scorers. Also had six assists and four rebounds. Um, and not a lot of threes. One of three from the three-point line in this game. We know him to be uh, a willing and capable three-point shooter, but he did it from the floor. I mean, had some free throws, seven of nine from the free throw line, but 15 of 28 from the floor, in doing his work inside the three-point line, a little bit of an older style. Uh getting the job done. Great game for him. Julius Randle, 24 points with nine rebounds uh, to support Brunson. And then RJ Barrett, 21 points for him with six rebounds. Uh, those two guys also combining to go four of uh, four of 10 from the three-point line. So that's your uh, making up from the, the threes that you didn't get from Brunson, I suppose. 20 points off the bench for Emmanuel Quickly, a guy who always you know, emerges and has a couple of games and makes himself a, a top 10, top 15 name in the six man of the year type conversation. Um, but a great game for him. And then 10 points off the bench for Josh Hart, 11 points for Isaiah Hartenstein, who started at the center uh, with, of course, Mitchell Robinson projected to miss the rest of the year. Definitely tough for them. That's going to really uh, impact their hopes for the season as a whole. Um We'll have to see how that kind of plays out long term. If Hartenstein can come in and be an above average, um, you know, filler player in the absence of Robinson, if they can gel around that, if they can get some above average play from from Brunson and Randall. I mean, the Knicks, I think they should be a, a solid playoff bet. Um, but of, of course, they've been hoping for the last year or two that they would continue to take steps forward and emerge as a top three or four team in the East and they're not quite there at this point. And that's been a, con a kind of a constant in the last couple of seasons, but uh, we'll see, we'll see what happens with them for the moment. Great win for them uh, against a very good Milwaukee team. And that was your first game from Christmas uh, Christmas day action. So to the next game, the Denver nuggets hosting the golden state warriors winning that one, 120 to 114, the home team and the defending champion Denver nuggets um, close game two of the, the top teams in the West uh, over the past, you know, five to five to seven years, I suppose. And well, for the Nuggets, especially the last three or four years, um, back and forth affair, 12 lead changes overall before the Nuggets pulled away in the end. Uh, Nuggets outplayed the Warriors in a couple of categories, but not really too big of a difference. I mean, closely, uh, closely fought this one was and uh, a narrow margin of victory for the Nuggets in the game. Looking at the boss scores for the Warriors all over the place and a lot of bench scoring. You know, that's been kind of a theme this year for the team where the bench has been the bright spot and the starters outside of Steph Curry usually have been more of a struggle. But this time they had a lot of the bench guys starting 
to change things up. Um, but it just seemed to not make a difference. Your leading scorer, Andrew Wiggins, coming off the bench this time, just seemed to be the way it is. You know, now that he's off the bench, he has a, a very good game, uh, the best game of any Warrior in this game, 63% from the floor, 2 of 4 from 3. Again, 22 points for him to lead the Warriors in scoring. Uh, Steph Curry, 18 points, 3 of 13 from 3-point range, 33% from the floor overall. Definitely a tough game for him. Um figure if he shoots the ball just a little bit better, they have a great chance to win this game. Um, it just didn't quite happen. 14 points off the bench for Dario Saric, 13 points off the bench for Chris Paul, and then I also got 13 each from both uh, the rookie Brandon Pachemski and uh, Jonathan Kaminga. How about Pachemski also grabbing five steals in this game? He's been a nice little pickup for the Warriors, a little bit of a draft steal potentially so far. Um, but again, the Nuggets winning this, their starters uh, all playing in this one all together. Uh, after, of course, most of November and, and a little bit of the beginning of December, they were without Jamal Murray. The starters all back, and when they're playing well, it's hard to beat them. Jokic with, uh, well, actually, Jamal Murray led them in scoring 28 points, five rebounds, three assists, two steals, three of five from three-point range. They got 26 points, 14 rebounds, and eight assists from Nikola Jokic. How about Jokic going 18 of 18 from the free-throw line? incredible uh, free throw shooting numbers for him. Uh, they also got 16 each from both Aaron Gordon and Contavious Caldwell Pope. Pope went four of nine from the three point range. Uh, Michael Porter Jr. with 19 points and 10 rebounds. Uh, Aaron Gordon also with 10 rebounds. Porter Jr. with four blocks as well. Uh, two steals for Contavious Caldwell Pope. I mean, the starters really just came to play in this one, which they needed it again, the bench, the question mark, no one off the bench scored more than six points. And so they needed every bit of those starters points. And there was some criticism from uh, Steve Kerr post game. Uh, I didn't have a chance to see the full uh, the the quote. I suppose um, if I can double check the numbers here, the Nuggets definitely shot more free throws than the Warriors in the game. In the first half, Warriors shot eleven free throws, the Nuggets shot six. But then you get into the second half and. Uh, Warriors shot 12 free throws. The Nuggets shot 26 free throws. Again, Jokic with 14 free throws in the second half. Murray with five. And then a few other guys had some free throws. And that was, I guess, the main gripe of, of Steve Kerr. Felt like there was um, a discrepancy, you know, too too wide of a gap in the free throw numbers. Um, hard to say. I mean, of course, having that, that big of a gulf can certainly be frustrating if it's you on the other end of it. But... Uh, on the whole, it's only nine more free throws. Um, one guy shooting that many certainly makes it seem a little bit more different. But, um, you know, for the Warriors, I would say there's other things they could maybe focus on than free throw discrepancies. But maybe that would just be my, you know, tough love, my opinion kind of a thing. But, um, yeah, otherwise, Nuggets uh, starters really pulled their weight in this one, and they get to win at home. Uh, for your second Christmas Day game, let's jump to the third. And we had a classic rivalry matchup um, between the Boston Celtics and the home team in Los Angeles, your Los Angeles Lakers and the Boston Celtics won on the road, 126 to 115, wearing the red accessories with the green uniforms for a nice Christmas feel. Uh, again, 126, 115, your final score in Los Angeles. Um, Boston controlled much of the game. There was a moment early in the uh, well, late second, late second quarter, early third quarter, where it looked like the Lakers might take this game, um, but the Celtics kind of 
uh, surged back and and retook that lead and and built a, a pretty good lead to uh, come away with the victory, I suppose. Uh, looking at the scoring for the Lakers, they were led by Anthony Davis's monster game, 40 points, 13 rebounds, and four assists with a block as well. Um, incredible numbers for him. I mean, just all-round game. He had threes. He had, you know, scoring inside, outside, the free throws. Um, not much more he could have done in this game. Torian Prince, 17 points, four boards, three assists. LeBron James, 16 points, nine rebounds, eight assists. A uh, little more all-around game there for LeBron. Off the bench, Roy Hachimura, 12 points. Austin Reeves, 11 points, six rebounds, and three assists. So not terrible game from the Lakers, but the Celtics were just so well-rounded in this one, led by uh, Chris Porzingis, actually, 28 points, 11 rebounds, two blocks and a steal for Porzingis. Uh, they got 25 points from Jason Tatum, eight rebounds, seven assists, 19 from Jalen Brown with uh, three steals as well. Those guys combined shot about four for 19 from three-point range. So they were not shooting the three-point ball at a great percentage, but they were still able to score fairly effectively. I mean, none of them shot below 40% from the floor as a whole. Porzingis shot about 58% from the floor. So um, the three not falling, but they still found ways to score and be effective. They got to the free throw line, Tatum especially, 12 of 13 from the free throw line. Uh, and then the other guards, your, your backcourt, Derek White and Drew Holiday, each with 18 points. White with 11 assists, two steals and two blocks. Holiday with seven assists, a steal and a block as well. And then off the bench, Peyton Pritchard had 10 points. Um, the Celtics, you know, we're going to talk about them in the power rankings. Spoiler, but not really a spoiler. They stay as the number one team, and we'll get into that a bit uh, later again. But um, it's hard to beat them right now. I mean, they've been very consistent. They have a very well-rounded roster guys that you know can do multiple things and the defensive gelling of the roster has been very exciting to see um they've been a top team for a reason they've been number one for most of the year and uh hard to beat them especially when you have uh you know all all of those starters playing very well um it's an incredible starting lineup and it's been a great team so great win for the celtics Let's jump to that fourth game, uh, renewal of a brief rivalry and maybe a bit of a rivalry still with the whole Jimmy Butler and Philadelphia 76ers history. The playoff series from, you know, the the early on stages of the process. Um, but the Miami Heat hosting this game, get the win against the Philadelphia 76ers, 119 to 113, your final score. And uh, Jaime Jaquez, the rookie, I wasn't sure how to pronounce his name earlier in the year, but I'm hopefully getting the pronunciation more correct. I'll definitely want to double check and triple check because he's really emerging as one of the top rookies from this recent draft class. Let me get a drink of my uh, drink here real quick. All right. Yeah. Hawk has uh, a leader in this game for the heat. And uh, it's an interesting you know, way that the game went. After a strong first quarter, the Heat took a, a big lead going into halftime, and then that lead kind of evaporated going into the fourth. But then, uh, you know, credit to the to the Miami squad. They were able to hang with it, uh, stick around, and then they uh, had a chance to build back a, a lead in the fourth quarter, and they got that done. They out-rebounded the Sixers by 20 
rebounds in this game. Pretty phenomenal uh, difference there. They had twice as many turnovers, so that certainly helped keep things close, but uh, they shot also about 13% better from the free throw line. So a couple of factors that were big, uh, big bonuses for the Heat. For the Sixers, they were without Joel Embiid, and you certainly think this game would have been much closer. Sixers would have had a chance to win it with Embiid, but uh, it is what it is, I suppose. And, uh, you know, a lot of their guys did their best to step up and and play their best in his absence. 27 points from Tobias Harris to lead the Sixers, who had seven rebounds and six assists as well. Four of seven from three, not quite as good from three as uh, Kelly Oubre Jr., though. 25 points on six of nine shooting from the three-point range. He also had seven rebounds, a steal, and a block. Those two forwards... Very great for the Sixers in this game. They got 18 points off the bench from the backup center, Mo Bamba. Uh, 15 points for DeAnthony Melton and 12 points for Tyrese Maxey. Paul Reed started at center, four points, two rebounds. Struggled a bit. Uh, Bamba looked like he had a little bit better game uh, relieving and playing more minutes at that center spot in this particular game. Um, but still, Miami Heat able to come out on top. But again, Jaime Jaquez Jr., Playing uh, one of the forwards this time around. 31 points for him with 10 rebounds. 8 of 8 from the free throw line. 73% from the floor. It's two steals as well. I mean, he's emerged as another guy that the Heat get as a later pick. Or sometimes they get these undrafted guys. They get a guy who was drafted and kind of you know kicked to the curb. And it's the Heat culture. And that's in Jersey now for this season. And people get tired of that phrase. But... They do such a great job with player development. That's really what the heat culture thing, their kind of best success has been is finding players and developing players, bringing them into, you know, contributing roles. And Hawkes is just the latest example of that. Uh, Bam out of bio, 26 points, 15 rebounds and three blocks with five assists as well in this game. Very good all round. Tyler Hero, 22 points, six rebounds, five assists, a steal and a block. Kyle Lowry with uh, 12 points. In this one, and then 16 points off the bench for Duncan Robinson. No, uh, no Jimmy Butler in this. So you have no Butler, no Joel Embiid, not the star power in this uh, penultimate matchup of Christmas Day, but uh, emergent performances from rookie Jaime Jaquez, uh, combating going against the, the you know the high scoring of the forwards for the Sixers. Intriguing in its own way. The uh, the Heat come out on top with this one. Great win for them. And uh, that was the fourth game from your Christmas night action. Finally, uh, it was closed out a late game at this point uh, with the Dallas Mavericks traveling to Phoenix. And again, being the better team, they beat the Suns in Phoenix 128 to 114. Your Mavericks do and Luka not at all uh, phased by the Suns. And of course, the Suns without Bradley Beal, they're still trying to, to deal with deal with Beal, I suppose. And, and that whole situation we're all wishing the best for Bradley Beal to get recovered quickly so he can get back on the floor. Shouldn't be injury. Shouldn't keep him out for too long. But again, I mean, you think about the playoff series a couple years back where Luca uh, dismantled the Suns at home and the cold, you know, the elimination game uh, recent regular season matchups. And Luca has, there's, there's a little bit of a rivalry now or a renewed rivalry between the Mavericks and the Suns. And, uh, you know, credit to the Suns, though. I mean, the Mavericks held a substantial lead up until the late third quarter, and the Suns took a brief lead. Uh, they had a great run. Uh, I mean, Eric Gordon was knocking down shots. Grayson Allen was knocking down threes. Um, and it looked like the Suns had a chance to win it. And then the Mavericks stormed back. Luka kept draining threes. 
uh, on his way to 50 points, uh, which, first of all, tied for third most on Christmas Day. So that's a legacy in and of itself. Uh, his 50 points also during that effort, he uh, reached 10,000 career points, the seventh fastest in NBA history to do so. Um, just unbelievable game for Luca. 15 assists, six rebounds, four steals, three blocks, eight of 16 from three point range, tied for the most on Christmas Day with a player we'll get to in just a moment. 12 of 12 from the free throw line, 60% from the floor, just a dominant, dominant game. Uh, easily the best performance of anyone on Christmas Day this season and maybe the last couple seasons. Uh, one of the best um, really did his job to almost carry the Mavericks to victory, but he had a lot of help too. Um, Derek Jones Jr., 23 points for them, three of eight from three. Uh, starting in this game, they got 18 from Tim Hardaway Jr. with seven rebounds. How about the rookie, Derek Lively, the second, 20 points, 10 rebounds at that center spot. Four double-figure scores for the Mavericks. Meanwhile, for the Suns, they got 32 points from one Grayson Allen, who just happened to go 8 of 17 from three-point range, tying Luka Doncic for, I believe, most three-pointers on Christmas Day. Uh, let me... I Hopefully, I'm not misquoting that, but I believe that was a stat. So those two guys tied in this game. Um, pretty remarkable history for that to happen. Two guys from different teams on, in the same game, Grayson Allen and Luca, not the pairing you would expect, but Allen has been an underrated piece the last couple of seasons for a couple of different teams. Now, uh, Devin Booker, 20 points, 10 assists, uh, struggled a bit with the shooting. Um, Durant struggled a bit more, 16 points for him, eight rebounds, seven assists, six, uh, six turnovers for Durant shooting below 40% from the floor. They got 23 off the bench and 19 rebounds for Chemezi Metu. How about that? Uh, played just about 33 minutes in this game. Uh, did not start, but ended up kind of closing out the game in place of Drew Eubanks. Uh, I like to see that from Metu, a guy who's had to kind of claw his way to a more solid roster spot. And then 14 points for Eric Gordon. Again, had a couple of key scores in the late third quarter, early for, uh, fourth quarter. So not a bad game for the Suns in theory. You'd like to get more from Duran. And again, the absence of Bradley Beal could have helped you, admit, you would think, in, in some ways. But, uh, you know, you like to see things from Allen and Metu that's going to solidify your projected bench, you would think. And uh, otherwise, though, Luka just, con you know, dominated the game, had some great supporting play, uh, continues to write his name into the history books and uh, gets the win for the Mavericks against the Suns in Phoenix on Christmas Day. And that is our Christmas Day action that we are focusing on. And those are the games we're going more in detail on. But real quick, just hit some quick hitters from the rest of the week. Last Wednesday, the Sixers won at home versus the Timberwolves. It was right amidst the stretch of uh, the 30.10 rebound games for Joel Embiid. He just happened to score 50 that night, and uh, they get the win versus Minnesota in a big one. Um, two of the top teams in the NBA. Definitely a key matchup there. Um, we'll play into our power rankings in just a moment. Um, on Friday, the Warriors won the matchup uh, at home against the Wizards with Jordan Poole returning to town. Um, what did he have stat-wise? It didn't seem like it was anything out of the ordinary. I mean, Jordan Poole, 25 points, three boards, three assists. The Warriors get the win. I guess it's Steph Curry's 30 points. Uh, Warriors have been doing a little bit better lately. On Saturday, the Celtics 
demolished the Clippers in Los Angeles, 145 to 108. Tatum with 30 points. Uh, you know, an important win for the Celtics against a team that was surging and uh, maybe a reset, a resetting type game for the Clippers and something like, okay, we don't have, you know, we're not firing completely on all cylinders. Maybe there's things we still need to continue to refine and get better at as these, uh, the season goes on. Excuse me. And then a bunch of games from last night's action worth noting. I, I, uh, I think uh, firstly, the, one of the top storylines at this point because of the prolonged losing the Pistons lost at home to the Brooklyn Nets last night, 118 to 112. That is their 27th straight loss. And that of course means they have the longest losing streak for a single season in NBA history. They won't be in total infamy without two more losses. 28 losses is the most consecutive losses at any point in NBA history spanning two different seasons for the Philadelphia 76ers around 2014, 2015, somewhere in that time frame. So <clears throat> if they win in their next game, they're spared, you know, being the only name in that conversation, but still not very good. Two and 28 on the year. So many questions to be answered for, for Detroit. Um, and again, this will be a talking point throughout the year. We have a talking point with that for our latest weekly prediction, but I won't spoil too much there. Let's just move on to the next game. I want to note the Utah Jazz winning in San Antonio against the Spurs, 130-118, to 118, your final score. Larry Markinen back, uh, 31 points, 12 rebounds for him. Um, he's been playing well, and then he's back in the lineup, and the Jazz have been playing well. I wanted to see if I could find some uh, numbers in terms of recent wins for the Jazz. I don't think they're sniffing anything even like a play-in type spot quite yet. Um, but they've been doing a lot better. And uh, bear with me for just one second while I find this. Let's see here. Recent schedule and recent wins, things of that nature. Um, they've won five of their last seven, make it six of their last eight. Six of the last eight games they've won, which I think is certainly good stuff to see. Um, a lot of positive momentum. Of course, watch me point this out, and then the next game they lose. But they've been doing better. Lowry's back, and so just wanted to note that myself as a Jazz fan, excited to see that. Um, another game from last night, a big win for the Minnesota – or sorry, the Oklahoma City Thunder against the Minnesota Timberwolves in OKC, 129-106. to Your final score, SGA, 34 points, 9 assists, and 6 rebounds. Two big losses for the Timberwolves against some top teams. Um, haven't moved quite yet. We'll have to see what the rest of the week uh, you know, brings for the, the, the Timberwolves. But, um, yeah, over the last week – uh, last seven days, they've had some key losses, but uh, they're still a great team. The Thunder just happen to also be a very good team um, that they lost to. The uh, Memphis Grizzlies won again, this time in New Orleans against the Pelicans, 116-115. to 115. Uh, Your final score in overtime. Definitely some controversy, some what I saw, as far as a possible um, goaltend that was not called against John Morant. Um, there's iffiness about him being out of bounds uh, on a rebound type situation as well, or a loose ball situation. Um, some, some protestation of the ending, let's say, but, um, 
they get the win credited. And with that, that's their fourth, third or fourth straight win. They haven't lost this year so far with the return of John Morant, who had 31 in the game. Um, we'll see how high the Grizzlies are able to climb with Morant back in the lineup. Um, but it'll be very interesting to see that as well. Uh, and then finally, the Chicago Bulls winning at home against the Atlanta Hawks, uh, 118-113. Andre Drummond, 24 points and 25 rebounds. Monster game for Drummond, showing that he's still got it. He's still a tremendous rebounding center. And um, filling in very well for uh, Nikola Vucevic, who I believe is going to be out about a week, maybe a little bit more with some sort of an injury. Um, we'll definitely wish him the best he works to recover from that. Um, but that's what we're going to leave it on. Again, there's a ton of other games we didn't really get into, but we're going to talk about where teams are at more in detail with our, um, our power rankings. So we'll leave that kind of to that. But with that, let's jump into our key news real quick as I get a drink to make sure my throat will last through the rest of this episode. Okay. We're going to start with a quick note about the first ever official World Basketball Day that I guess has been officially made a thing. It's declared for December 21st. So happy World Basketball Day about a week late. I didn't know it was a thing until I saw a post about it um, the day after our most recent podcast episode. So that's a lot of fun. Uh, I'll turn through some transactions. Um some shifting of two-way contracts. Firstly, Philadelphia 76ers have waived guard Javante Smart, who was on a two-way deal to sign, recently waived forward Kenneth Lofton Jr. to a two-way contract. The uh, former Memphis Grizzlies and Memphis Hustle uh, forward, unique player. It'll be interesting to see what he's able to do in Philadelphia and probably Delaware as well with the Blue Coats. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks have waived forward Miles Norris, who was on a two-way deal and signed guard uh, Vit. Krejci, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He's been in the league a couple of years. I should know the pronunciation a little bit better, but he's on a two-way deal now with Atlanta, and I think he had been last year as well. Um, New York Knicks uh, waived guard Jalen Martin, who was on a two-way deal, and have signed a center that this will be his first time in the NBA. Dimitro Skipinsev, hope I'm pronouncing that right again, to a two-way contract. Makes sense for them to sign a two-way center. Again, with the Mitchell Robinson loss, they're going to get just a touch more depth at the center spot. Um, another note with the Knicks, uh, they've applied for a disabled player exception worth about $7.8 million due to that Mitchell Robinson loss, projected to miss the remainder of the season. Again, we're wishing him the best as he works to recover from that. Some more injuries to update you on uh, for the Brooklyn Nets. Guard forward Ben Simmons says there is no timetable for his return from nerve impingement in his left lower back. Uh, definitely tough to see that, you know, felt like he had kind of made his return and and gotten past the injury troubles of the of recent seasons. But now that is back. He hasn't played in quite some time. We'll have to see when he's able to get back on the floor. Uh, for the Lakers, guard Gabe Vincent will undergo arthroscopic surgery on a left knee and will miss six to eight weeks. He's missed most of the season so far. Um, definitely a tough loss for them as they look to build more consistency at this point in the season. For the Atlanta Hawks, uh, forward DeAndre Hunter is out at least two weeks with right knee inflammation. For the Denver Nuggets, this is just yet today, this was announced. Forward Aaron Gordon recently suffered dog bites to the hand and face, a little bit more of a bizarre uh, injury to deal with. He's out indefinitely. Hopefully that this isn't something more long-term, but it's definitely tough to hear about that. But all those guys that we've talked about with injuries, we want to wish them the best as they work to recover from those injuries and get back on the floor. Um 
devastating update for the uh, Chance Comanche situation. We mentioned, I think, on our last episode, uh, NBA player, G League player at various points um, involved in a, a murder case, actually. Uh, he's allegedly admitted to that fatal strangulation of a woman in Las Vegas, according to a Las Vegas Police Department affidavit. Um, I'm sure we'll get updates on this as we can, but just awful news to hear about. Um, and this is also some tough news. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, former Bucks owner, uh, also a UN, U.S. Senator, Herb Cole, he passed away, uh, I believe, today at the age of 88. So definitely a tough loss. And uh, we want to send our best wishes to uh, the Bucks organization, the NBA family, of course, and uh, the Cole, uh, Herb Cole's family at this time. Uh, so news for the Orlando Magic, they've officially renamed their arena the Kia Center, formerly known, of course, as the Amway Center. Um, interesting naming rights. Of course, Kia has a lot of naming rights deals with the NBA as a whole, uh, with the Slam Dunk Contest and the MVP Award. Um, so they continue to be heavily involved in the NBA and one of the NBA's uh, recently emerging teams. So that's a very exciting for them. Uh, for the Dallas Mavericks. The NBA has approved the sale of the Dallas Mavericks, or at least a majority of the ownership of the Mavericks, to the Adelson and Dumont families. I'm not familiar with much of what they do. Of course, again, Mark Cuban is going to stay on as uh, kind of a president of basketball operations. So he's going to stay in a front office type role, but he won't own the Mavericks anymore. And he made a huge profit, of course, probably uh, one or two billion dollars uh, somewhere in that department. So getting a little bit richer, but he's focused on continuing to to try and power the Mavericks to to more winning with uh, their young star, Luka Doncic. Finally, some NBA uh, general news. Uh, Joel Embiid and John Morant were named the NBA Players of the Week for Week 9 in both the Eastern and Western Conference, respectively. So congratulations to them. Certainly well-deserved. And finally, the uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame announced the nominees for the class of 2024. This was on December 1st they announced this. Um, and I'll run through some of the notable names. Um, the 2008 U.S. Olympic men's team, uh, the redeemed team, as you might know it, uh, Vince Carter, Bill Lambeer uh, is in there, Rick Barnes, who I believe is a college coach, uh, and Mike Fratello as well, of course, uh, an NBA head coach who had some some very good success. Um, North American nominees, there's tons of others. I mean, Chauncey Billups is still on that list. Um, Maurice Lucas. Tom Chambers, Sean Marion, uh, Michael Cooper is in there, Terry Cummings, a lot of guys, that, you know, uh, Mike Jaminski probably is a college player, uh, Reggie Theus, Buck Williams, John Williamson, Marcus Johnson, uh, a lot of names in there. There's some coaches as well, uh, NBA specifically, of course. Uh, Dick Mata is in there. Uh Let's see. There's probably a couple of others. Yeah, no, that it's kind of the main one as far as NBA uh, coaches that I can see at least at, uh, as a quick glance. College coaches as well. Raleigh Massimino in in there. The uh, Villanova head coach, uh, in the '85 team. Um, yeah, there's a ton of nominees. I'm sure this is the case every year. The new nominees, of course, Vince Carter, Bill Lambier. Fratello, those are the main headliners. Imagine this is maybe a year where maybe some of the uh, um, past nominees that you would have thought could have made it uh, in a, another year, but that one year had a really stat class. Uh, maybe it will happen for one of those guys this year, but we'll have to see. 
I believe that's an announcement that happens a little bit more around playoff time uh, or even NBA finals time. So we'll certainly keep you updated on that. But uh, with that, that takes care of our game summaries and our key news. With that, let's go ahead and uh, waste no more time. Let's jump right into our latest power rankings. Power rankings. All right. I like the way we did it last uh, episode that we did the power rankings last Monday when uh, we just focused on the top 10, did it 10 through one. And um, I like it so much. I think we're going to do it that way again. New to my power rankings, top 10 group, at least. Uh, moving up three spots, I have the Miami Heat at 10, uh, two and one last week. They were three and one the week before that and had been moving up. And uh, this kind of goes back to, of course, they were in the NBA Finals last year. Some people might still discount that as a, a uh, you know a fluke run, but again, the rookie Hawkeyes joining a a mix of of talent and players who have roles that they can contribute consistently, uh, consistently rather. The underrated coaching ability of an Eric Spolstra, Jimmy Butler on the squad who can will his team to victory, and Bam Adebayo who continues to be more and more consistent and solid as a secondary star. You know, you got to put the heat in there for, you know, their overall record and what they're capable of, especially in the playoffs. So I have the heat at 10 moving up one spot, even though they went two and two, there was a lot of teams that kind of shifted spots despite records. And it was more due to the shuffling of other teams in the NBA. Uh, but up one spot to nine is the LA Clippers. Again, they lost to Boston, but they've, you take that one off a loss to a tough team and that's two and one. And they've, been more consistent. I like the mix of that team. If they if they go 500 again, or if they start to lose some more games, they might slip down a little bit. But um, you know, this is maybe a bit of a correction for a couple weeks ago when they had a winning record and I didn't move them up. You know, so I think uh, we should hold them up in this group for at least a little bit, and I feel like they have a good chance to continue that. At eight, no change. Your Orlando Magic. Uh, they went one and two, so they're able to cling on to an eighth spot. Um, you know, they, they've struggled recently. I mean, they're two and four over their last six games, but, uh, they had such a tremendous run to get there. And I still think that they, uh, I don't think it was necessarily a fluke. I think that defense is going to help get them back into more consistent winning basketball. Um, I project a win. They'll be between They'll some, be somewhere in the top five or six in the East, honestly, with, by the end of the season. But Palo Bancaro, I like a lot as their star. Um, I like their depth, and I like the Magic at eight. At seven, up two spots, the Sacramento Kings, even though they were two and two this last week. Um, Keegan Murray as one of the emerging players for them. You can't deny his ability, and you know the potential for him is very exciting. Um, but now Demontis Sabonis is asserting himself more. We've seen him more in the triple-double ranges. De'Aaron Fox has been scoring well. You know, they're starting to look more and more like the team we saw last year, and so I, I'm moving them up despite a 2-2 two and two record. Uh, at number six, down one spot, uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, they have a potential to move up with a big win this week against the Timberwolves, but, um, you know, they're, they're still in the top five or six. They've still been a great team. Chet Holmgren, now taking a bit of a backseat step-wise to uh, his fellow rookie, Victor Wembanyama, 
but the Thunder is still winning more. Uh, I like the Thunder, Thunder at six. At five, down one spot as well, the Philadelphia 76ers, two and one. Um, both these teams winning records, but they just had to get shifted down to the due to the next team we'll talk about. But the Sixers still very good. And beat again, his play. I'll just take this chance to talk about that 30-point, 10-rebound run uh, consecutive games of that. Uh, he extended that to 12 games. That was following that Timberwolves game. Um, and that was the that's the best since uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar did it in 16 straight games during the 72 season. So elite company, it's a franchise best. Embiid has been um, certainly matching, at the very least, matching his MVP season last year. And the Sixers are very good. They deserve to still be in that top five. But moving up into number four, back into the top five, after a bit of an absence, the Denver Nuggets, they were out of it for two weeks. They're back up uh, after going 4-0 last week. They're up two spots. And um, you have the starters all healthy again, except now Aaron Gordon's injured. So we'll see if the Nuggets slip again. But um, they're the champs, and uh, they deserve a level of recognition for that, even though they're still questions about the bench. Look for uh, what happens with the Nuggets at the trade deadline. If there's a move or if there's a lack of a move, either way, there's going to be a lot to talk about there. The top three for me, staying the same. I have the Bucks at three, who went 3-0. and um, Lillard and Giannis have been as good as advertised, and they've been very good in the East. The Timberwolves, Minnesota Timberwolves, stay at two, three and one. Um, despite that loss to the Sixers, they got three other wins. Um, that's still a tough team. I don't think they get discounted for that. Again, with this week's loss to the Thunder, we'll see if that factors into any kind of move next week. Um, and then at the top spot, even though they were only two and one, they lost a game. But the Boston Celtics, as we talked about with that Lakers matchup and them beating the Clippers, um, they're still the most complete team from what I've seen. And I like them at that top spot. So that's my top 10. Outside of that, big movers, um, the Dallas Mavericks fall out of the top 10 for the first time in a while. Um, falling four spots, they went one and three. Kyrie's out. Despite a big win on Christmas, <clears throat> well, actually, with a big win on Christmas, they could have a chance to move up. That, of course, not factored into this week's you know week nine power rankings. Um, but we'll see what happens. New York Knicks up three. They were two and one. They're up to 12. Um They've been playing well. We'll see if they can have a chance to break the top 10. Pelicans down two, Cavs up four. Um, teams kind of swapping the places in this middle group for the most part. Um, and through the bottom group as well. The Grizzlies up two spots, starting to climb. This is their first time not in the bottom four in uh, in several weeks. Um, but the Grizzlies up to 25. And again, if they continue to win, It'll be interesting to see how high they can climb as they try and just elevate themselves from the depths of whatever they were without John Morant. Uh, Charlotte takes their place in that bottom four. They went 0-3. Uh, Portland stays the same at 26. So your bottom five, Portland, Charlotte, Washington, and then your bottom two, San Antonio and Detroit, still at the bottom, still winless in uh, about two months. Devastating stuff. But uh, one last comment, the Warriors, we said we mentioned them. They were 3-0. They're up three spots. They're into 17th. They had really been struggling, so they're going to take a while to get back up. But uh, that's the power rankings for them, and that's our overall power rankings. Um, with that, let's go ahead and kind of go into a similar conversation as far as great players affecting winning, and we'll talk about our weekly MVP. 
Weekly MVP. With weekly MVP, it's kind of the same thing as power rankings as far as this is all the stats from the previous Monday to the you know the this this past Sunday. So we're a couple days removed from the end of that week, so it feels a bit off. But regardless, the week nine MVP, we have a lot of great candidates. And I'll start with Joel Embiid again. Those numbers, 40 points per game in that span with 12 rebounds per game, 2.3 blocks, 1.3 steals. They were 2-1. and one. They had the loss. Um, he was great. He's not actually who we're going with. He was our previous week's MVP but definitely a top name to consider. Tyrese Maxey was in the mix as well, actually. 32 points and about eight assists, uh, but not a ton of other stats outside of that. The shooting percentages weren't as great as maybe you'd like to see. Uh, as far as a weekly MVP, I mean, they were still great shooting, but weekly MVPs have, you know, great, you know, the best all-round numbers along with the the team winning. Um, Shakespeare Alexander could have been a great name as well. Uh, about 32 points a game, seven rebounds, five assists. Uh, how about 3.7 steals for SGA in that time frame? Two and one again as a record. Um, you know, Steph Curry, they were three and L, 30 points for him, five assists. Um, great all round numbers. Kawhi Leonard had solid numbers in the two games he played that they won both those games. John Morant certainly warranted consideration. 28 points for him, nine assists and uh, about six rebounds in those three straight wins. But the player we're going to go with, um, record of three and one in the week, uh, so played four games, won three of them, 30 points per game in that span, about seven rebounds and six assists, um, nearly two steals and one block. The percentages could have been better. I mean, 48% from the floor, 27% from the three-point range, 92% from the free throw line. But we're going to go with Anthony Edwards from the Minnesota Timberwolves because, again, solid all-around with the scoring, the boards, the assists, defensive impact. Percentages were okay-ish, and the free-throw line numbers 92% clutch from there. Three and one in the time frame, and it's a bit of a legacy pick because the Timberwolves have been a surprise team, and but they've done it consistently, and uh, Gobert's gotten consideration Carl Anthony Towns, but now that Anthony Edwards is back after a brief, you know, a couple of games maybe missed for for a facial type injury or, or it might have been a hip actually, but um, <clears throat> he's back and want to recognize a player that, of course, is in the mix of a you know most improved type conversation. Um, we projected him there. He's had a great week. He's had a great season, and uh, felt like he of these names it was a closer mix, but. Felt like he was the most deserving this week, um, especially a little more holistically on the season to win our week nine MVP. So congratulations to Anthony Anthony Edwards of the Minnesota Timberwolves for winning our week nine MVP. Again, 30 points per game, about seven rebounds, 6.3 assists, 1.8 steals, one block, uh, 92% from the free throw line. Great all-round numbers. Minnesota Timberwolves continue to win. And Anthony, if you want to swing by, our uh, our studio here in Utah, we'd greatly appreciate it. Um, you've been a great player and um, felt you were deserving, and now you've won it, so congratulations. Um, with that, <clears throat> let's go ahead and waste no more time and jump right into our latest weekly prediction, talking about a team that has been a source of conversation for uh, much of the season so far, and especially in recent weeks, but let's let's not preview it anymore. Let's get into the actual weekly prediction. 
We play predictions. Yes. The Detroit Pistons. It's the big topic of conversation, especially after last night. And they become the sole owners of the worst losing streak in NBA history in a single season. And I'm going to go in a different direction with this. Of course, the conversation is how much will the Pistons win this season? How long will the losing streak last? Will they be one of the worst teams in NBA history or will they will they be in that conversation? Those are the things that are being talked about right now. And there's maybe some conversation about players, but I want to talk about what moves this team might make because it's a weird spot. You have two or three recent seasons of higher draft picks. Of course, Cade Cunningham was the number one overall pick. Um, the last two seasons, you've had top fives, the top 10 picks. You've gotten Jaden Ivey and Asar Thompson, two other guards, ball dominant type guards, or in Thompson's case, a little more of a defensive guard. Um, you have some centers that are intriguing in Stewart and Duran. Um, you have some veterans in Bogdanovich and Harris and Monte Morris. Um, some younger guys. I mean, it's an intriguing mix. You brought in a head coach, of course, that you thought would elevate you to a more competitive sphere and maybe helpfully get you in the play-in conversation. And Monty Williams, their new head coach, and now you've gone in the reverse path and you're one of the worst teams we've seen in recent seasons. Um, so what happens then? In my view, it's like, well, if we're going to be this bad, let's see if we can secure a top pick. That would be my thought. I mean, if you're, if you're at this point in the season, um, let's see if we can secure a top pick and, uh, you know, almost reset the rebuild to okay, we're getting the top pick now and we're going to build up from here instead of we failed to build up with what we have. So this is fairly bold as far as my looking predictions are go. And I would be surprised if they did this, but how about this for a weekly prediction? Cade Cunningham will become a trade target, not saying he for sure gets traded, but he will either be discussed with other teams by Detroit or other teams will call the Pistons about him. So he'll be a trade target. First of all, he'll be a name in the conversation, but also the Pistons will trade multiple players at the deadline. You know, I, I can't help but think you bring in a new head coach and especially a, a recent finals head coach in Monty Williams. You bring him in despite the team success right now, you want to see them winning at this point whether that's the back half of the season or it's this very next season, you want to see that soon. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they make trades to try and make that happen. So Kata Cunningham is going to be a target of teams and maybe even the Pistons make him available in conversations, but more so the Pistons will trade multiple players at the deadline. I think they'll be active in that mix and it could be intriguing for not only other younger teams or teams that are building with talent, but also maybe you're a contending team in your prime or on the fall, and you're looking for some useful energy to sustain the team or some energy and some use, some talent for your next phase of your team. Maybe the Warriors get in that mix again. That would be very crazy to see as well, but that's my prediction. Cade Cunningham's a trade target and the Pistons will be multiple will trade multiple players at the deadline. They're an interesting team to watch. 
But uh, for now, I think I'm going to put a little bit of a uh, a lock on no more Pistons weekly predictions for me, um, just because we've talked about losing streak and we've talked about the players. I don't want to belabor the point too much, and especially because I hope they start winning some games. I'd like to see them win some games, especially for Cade Cunningham's sake, a player that I like. But um, we're going to focus from now on. I'm going to have some wiki predictions about different topics and different teams and different players. But that's my take for now, and we'll leave it at that. And we'll pretty much leave the show with that. Not much more we have to talk about. Again, kind of just getting caught up from the last week or so that we've missed. Um, so definitely good to do that. Let me real quick run through our This Day in History fact before we wrap things up. And this one, we're actually going to take multiple days because as, reading, as I was reading through these days, I was realizing a lot of these are about the same kind of thing. A lot of these are free throw related records. So December 27th, we're going to take multiple. Starting in 1956, Bill Sharman's consecutive free throw streak ended at 55, which was an NBA record that lasted for 19 years. Then on uh, 1964, December 27th, Oscar Robertson of Cincinnati had 16 free throw attempts in one quarter of the Royals game at Baltimore, the most free throw attempts in one quarter in NBA history. Um, The mark has been matched by five players since, but never surpassed. Then after that, in uh, 1980, Calvin Murphy of the Houston Rockets began a streak of 78 consecutive free throws made in a game against Washington. It was the first of 16 games Murphy would need for his then NBA record free throw streak. So three different records from today, all about free throws. I thought that was very intriguing, and so I went with that. So either you want to – well, and they're all positive. So it'll be interesting to see if tonight's games there's – great free throw shooting uh, to make note of on our next episode, but we'll have to see at that point if that actually happens. But uh, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Thank you all again for listening. We really appreciate it. Um, I'll real quick, take a chance to plug our social media pages. We're at um, both on Instagram and Facebook. We're at crossover across time, fairly straightforward on Twitter slash X, whichever you prefer, as far as the name goes, Uh, we're at X over across time due to the character limit on the username. On all three of those, you can find a link tree that will take you to any of the other pages, but will also take you to the podcast itself. Of course, you're already listening, but if you're not aware of all the platforms we're on, we're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and RSS.com. And again, we appreciate your support on the podcast and the social media and any way that you like to support us there. Um, So that's it for our show. We'll be back with you on Friday for pretty much our normal schedule Friday show. After that, we won't have an episode this Monday, but we'll have it this Tuesday, of course, with uh, New Year's Day. We're not going to have an episode then. Um, And then we won't have an episode the 3rd or the 4th, either Wednesday or Thursday next week. We'll get back to our Friday episode um, the following week, after which we'll be back to our normal schedule. So this week and next week, kind of easing back into the schedule a little bit before we... Uh, January 8th, we're back in with our three episodes per week schedule. So uh, otherwise, that is it for our show today. Again, we'll be back on um, on Friday for our normal Friday show. And it sounds like Wyatt might join us then. So definitely tune in for that. With that, thank you again for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll be back with you on Friday. 